to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Bullock, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, uh, emergency management, disaster planning, crisis management, incident response, and anything related in those fields. And uh, as always, I like to ask everyone who's listening, if there is a topic you'd like us to talk about, please feel free to send me an email. You can reach me through the Voice America uh, show website. On the page there uh, for the show, there's a button that sends a uh, host a message. You can send me uh, you know, your topic request, or you can even uh, say, you know, I'd like to be on the show. And, uh, you know, we'll see about getting on the show. I do respond to all the uh, notes that come through. So please don't be shy. Uh, feel free to uh, get in contact. My guest today, we're going to be talking about a subject uh, whose book I actually referenced uh, a few years back uh, when I was working with a client. Um, I don't like to assume that I know everything about everything, even though I've been doing this for 21 years. There are still so many things that we can learn from ourselves, uh, um, sorry, from our other colleagues and different people that we talk to. Um, There's always a new perspective to add. So the person I'd like to introduce today is the author of the book, A Supply Chain Management Guide to Business Continuity. And I'd like to welcome the author, Betty Kildo. Betty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. It's my pleasure to be here and speaking with you today. Well, I'm happy to have you on the show. As I said, I actually referenced your book um, with a client a few years ago. We pulled it out and said, hey, hey, is there anything we've missed or we need to? And we we got some good ideas in there. So, you know, thank you for that. That actually helped. My pleasure. Absolutely. So can you uh, give us a a bio of yourself, you know, how you got to where you are today and tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, let's see. I have uh, you and I have been in in this profession for about the same time, but I may have a have two or three years on you. Um, but like most <laughs> of us in this business today, who've been doing this for a while, it was not my goal in life to go into business continuity. Uh, I I it was really luck, I guess, and chance, and some opportunities came along, and I took them. Uh, got involved first of all in emergency management, and then evolved from there into business continuity. Ultimately, at the same time, um, I lived in Northern California then, and the University of California had a uh, an emergency management business continuity graduate program. I did go back and uh, after I had been doing the work for a few years, went back and got some education in it, which was nice. And it has just evolved from there. Um, I have been extremely fortunate to work with some wonderful clients and meet some wonderful people. 
Um, and I think, too, in, in, a, in a way to contribute to their businesses and their organizations. So um, I still love what I do. Uh, perhaps being passionate about it is an overused phrase, but I think that is what it's about. I, I really enjoy it. Um, and I'm still you know, consulting today. I've also had opportunities to do some writing, including the book that you referenced. I do some teaching. I've done that at the university level, a lot of training. Um, speaking, uh, I, I, I really had some, as I say, wonderful opportunities, uh, and feel very fortunate. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those. If if, a, if something knocks on the door, I go see what's at the door, and then decide if it's a good thing for me to respond to. So, uh, I have though over the years watched our profession and the whole practice of emergency management and business continuity and disaster recovery evolve and change and grow. Um, it used to be something that was somewhat of a mystery to most people in an organization other than two or three people who were directly involved in it. Um, and as we've grown and it's become now more a core business practice, um, really I think most organizations and businesses do view it as a core business practice and something that is really a requirement for them to meet their goals and their objectives for their organization. Well, I hope so. I, I know we still hear some horror stories out there that there are you know, still so many businesses that just put business continuity uh, of any size or disaster planning, emergency response, whatever they want to call their program tend to put it off, you know, onto the back burner. You know, there's still too many of those, but I think you're right. We, it's much more prominent now than it ever used to be. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's just going to continue going in that direction. Well, with people like you writing books, you know, that's only going to help and we're going to get there, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, su I'm surprised uh, how many uh, people fall into this industry, you know, by accident, you know, by opportunity or, or to use your own word, luck. Um, yes. You know, that I, I think out of everyone that I've talked to on the show, I would have to say well over 80% found it by, you know, sheer luck, you know, or accident. <laughs> yes, although I do have to say I think that's changing. Um, as business continuity has become more integral to all kinds of organizations and businesses, more and more colleges and universities have undergraduate and graduate programs in business continuity. And I am seeing young people who are seeking that as their career. So I think we will become the dinosaurs sooner or later. Not for a while yet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but sooner yeah, or later. And I, <laughs> and I think it will become something that uh, people pursue as much as they would accounting or, you know, uh, something like that. I, I, I think that day will come eventually. It will. We'll get there. You know, with with our changing industry and growing industry, we're going to get there. Yes, yes. So I, I'd like to start. We have listeners from all around the globe that listen. And I know different pieces of the uh, business continuity world. People think of things differently. You know, oh, that means this, this means this. So I'm going to ask the a direct question. Can you define for us what supply chain management is? Yes, and I'm going to take it out of a dictionary definition and, and give you the way I would. If, if you and I were having coffee, so well, tell me, what is supply chain management? Supply chain management is this, simply and not very simply. 
it is the entire and they call it we'll call it, they call it supply chain we'll come back to that as well but it's everything that has to go into the parts and pieces that go into manufacturing a product and also delivering a service and then getting the end product out to the end customer um, so that means we go back to where does the company get raw goods from? Where do they get components? Where do they get parts? Where do they get those? And how do they get into a company's facility? How are they delivered? How are they managed? Where are they stored in the warehouse? And then the thing we think of most often is the actual manufacturing process within the organization. And once a product is ready to go out the door, then it's warehoused, it's tracked, and it's delivered to end customers. That's not always the very end of the supply chain because once in a while the supply chain makes a turnaround and comes back because it can be returns for whatever reason coming back into a company. So it's raw materials and products, how they get to where they're going, how they're managed once they get there, how they're used to manufacture a product or create a service, how they are then stored, how they are tracked along this whole path, and then how they are delivered to end customers. And that is a supply chain. Um, but I will well, It's interesting you, you mentioned the, the piece about having things come back. Because mm-hmm. every time I've heard people talk about supply chain management, it's always what you come in to make your product or service and then what you send out, never that finished product coming back. So that's an Where interesting you, point. Yeah, that is. And, and that's a minority piece of it. It's not a majority piece of what happens right. in the supply chain. But, for example, um, if I am making shirts for men, and I am the manufacturer, and I'm sending them out to the retail stores, and they are my end customer, although they have customers as well, and the product doesn't sell well, they find a defect, a lot of them are coming back and being returned, usually in agreements between those retailers and the manufacturer. There's an agreement where the manufacturer has to take those back. So in a way, that is a a reverse supply chain that we don't want to see Mm -hmm. happen, but it does sometimes. No, nobody wants to. (laughs) No, nobody wants to. And if I may, supply chain is the term that has always, that's been used for decades. Uh, And really in today's global world and very complex organizations, it's not so much a supply chain as it is a supply network a supply management network, and sometimes a maze. Um, if we think about our primary suppliers and their tier suppliers and, and tiers and tiers and tiers, it can go back to many, many layers. And even delivery uh, is not so simple anymore as just putting it on a truck from the supplier to, say, a manufacturer. Very often, that's modal. It goes on a, on a truck, yes, or on a train car, yes, but then it goes on a ship and it may fly and it ends it back up on the ground. And, and so it, it's very complex. It, it's, so a chain is very simple. It's the links in a chain that continue forward. The supply chain is not always that straightforward, but we still use that term and that's the way most people accept it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I had the same thing in mind, you know, supply chain. So I'm thinking of a chain and all the different links. But a supply network, and I like the I like how you term that, supply management network or supply network. You know, it's much more complex and inter- interdependent, you know, uh, with incoming uh, dependencies, outgoing dependencies, and, you know, cross-dependencies, you know, uh, all, all kinds of things. I, I tend to like that. I know we, we probably won't get to use that term very much, but I actually prefer, prefer, like that definition much more. So what are the positives with, with our business continuity management programs? You know, what's the positive to have these supply, this, yeah, I'm, see, I'm going to use it now, supply uh, network, I'll use the term, supply okay. network, you know, as part of our programs. You know, what are the benefits to that? And what are the negatives if we don't have that in there? Okay. Uh, and those are almost the same. They, they run very parallel. First of all, I, and I, I term it this way, uh, for a huge percentage, and I don't want to pick a percentage out of the air, of organizations, the supply chain is their organization's lifeblood. Uh, mm-hmm. Without that supply chain functioning and functioning properly, uh, without interruption, uh, it, it can really create significant danger and damage to an organization. And at first, and I'll go back maybe 10 years ago when I would go in and work with a company and I'd say, well, let's look at your supply chain. Well, we don't need to look at our supply chain. That's not us. Somebody else does that. But really, you're so reliant on that supply chain that it's really, I think, it's just imperative that you include that. That's as much a part of your organization and what allows it to succeed as is the human resources department, uh, the sales department, any of the other departments. And so I think to leave out your supply chain business units is setting an organization up for failure. And particularly, uh, if we look back, and if not failure for the organization, significant disruptions and financial impacts. I, that's rather than, you know, it's the, the organization is not going to absolutely fail, but it's going to not, not succeed. Um, so, but if we look back over the just recently, one of the more recent ones was the situation with Ford, uh, where one of their mm-hmm. suppliers had a failure, um, and, and it stopped production of one of their most popular truck models. Um, if we go back to that, Brazil, very recently, it wasn't a supplier, but in Brazil, all the truckers went on strike and nothing moved. And that meant nothing in, nothing out. So that's another example. And then if we look, one that people in, in the UK had a lot of fun with, but it was true, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises over there couldn't get chicken. <laughs> Their, their, their supplier of chickens failed. And so it, it, it was a huge financial hit for those, those, uh, those uh, chicken stores, I guess, fried chicken <laughs> stores. And then if we go back even a little further, the one, and I think this is where supply chain continuity really uh, moved forward several, uh, several squares on the chessboard, if you will, and that was following the triple disaster in Japan, where they had the earthquake, the tsunami, and then the nuclear event, because there were so many suppliers, key suppliers for some huge manufacturers. Uh, and we saw then what some 
what can happen to organizations if that supply chain does not function as we sometimes just assume it's going to? Uh, it's funny you mentioned Japan because I was going to mention the the what was it Fukushima I, I think it was the yes. the Fukushima uh, disaster and and then the uh, the earthquake and tsunami um, because a plant a Toyota plant just down the road from where I live was impacted and they had to cut back on shifts because the suppliers couldn't get any parts they only came from Japan that's right you know, and that's right it made a big impact on a lot of things and the Ford one. If I go the other direction from where I live, I know there's a Ford, <laughs> Ford plant down the road, and they had to do the same thing because the uh, same thing, running out of parts. Absolutely. You know, in, in one of my favorite, it's a favorite story because it, it's, it's such a small little thing. Uh, in Japan, and I, I think I cited this in the book, I'm not sure, there was a company that manufactured an ingredient that goes into automobile paint. And it's kind of a one-off because it's that ingredient they can put in paint. It doesn't make a car glitter. It's not like glitter, but it puts an extra little shine, and it's used in mm-hmm. in some of the paints for uh, automobiles and sometimes more of the upscale automobiles, if you would. It was the only place in the world that made that ingredient at that time. And so any of the car manufacturers who wanted to produce and deliver paint uh, cars that where the customer had said, I'd like that paint finish on it, we're really behind an eight ball for quite a while. So it's it's the big things, and then it's sometimes the little things as well. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's sometimes the little thing will catch you. And yes. on that note, we've come to our first break. We're, we're talking with Betty Kildo, author of A Supply Chain Management Guide to Business Continuity, and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. We're talking to Betty Kildo, the author of The Supply Chain Management Guide to Business Continuity. And Betty, we were talking about what supply chain management is, or I like the term you used, uh, supply network. Or as uh, you told me on the break, uh, sometimes a spider network, which, uh, <laughs> which I kind of, kind graphically, I kind of like that idea as well. But <laughs> um, let, how do we identify our key suppliers? Like, what do we need to do? You know, we said that to define, uh, you know, supply chain or supply network. You know, things that come in uh, to the organization uh, business to develop your product or service. You know, and then ship it out to hopefully, you know, make sales. Um, but how do we identify those key partners? Um, we we use good business continuity <laughs> practices, um, <laughs> and one of those is a, a business impact analysis. But I think to do it for the supply chain and do it well, there's a little different procedure we can use for that. Um, I like to map the supply chain. Um, you know, some of the key suppliers are easy. If we take it by product and say, well, that's the product that makes the most money for us, then the suppliers who contribute to that and the, uh, the transport companies that get that where it's going and get the things into us, that's easy. But sometimes, uh, again, what I like people to do, I like to get people together in a room and to begin with, I'd like to use a whiteboard. And what I like to do is map the supply chain. Um, sometimes people have the beginning of this because they'll have a process flow map, and sometimes you can use that as the beginning point, but you actually map the supply chain, and you map uh, what's coming in and how it's getting in and who sends it, and are you getting it from only one source or multiple sources? So we start mm-hmm. looking at that and how that's used internally. And then at the opposite end, how are we shipping out? How are we managing it in the warehouses? Those kinds of things. So, and then once we get that all mapped, we start looking at, okay, where are our choke points? Where are our single points of failure? If supplier A goes out of business because they go bankrupt, they can't get supplies from their suppliers, and we're not going to get product from them for X amount of time. Here's a place where it's a choke point. Here's a place where we are really going to be impacted in our ability to create our product or our service. So we really start identifying those. Um, A lot of this gets done by good procurement or purchasing, depending on what it's called in the organization departments. But we take it a little step further and look at not only the supplier, but the delivery process and the suppliers, tier suppliers as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, how are they getting theirs? Do they monitor their tier suppliers? 
Uh, so we start looking at that. A couple of the things that I think you look at are how important is the supplier to me? How important am I to the supplier? If something happens mm-hmm. with a supplier and they have only a limited supply of their product to ship, are you one of the companies that is, they're going to look to to get your supply to you because you're important to them? And maybe that's because you have a phenomenal relationship. Maybe because that's one of their biggest dollar customers. But you start looking at all of these things. And uh, really... Uh, where do you have redundancy? You know, if supplier A can't get the proverbial widget to me, can supplier B or can supplier C get that same widget to me so uh, we can continue business? So there are a lot of things. And most of the time, if you go in and work really closely with, I'm going to call the procurement department, they know who their key suppliers are, and they have pretty Mm -hmm. well determined who is most important to their organization. And then we start looking at the second piece, which comes into how prepared are those suppliers to meet our needs if they have a disruption or a disaster. So if you, as an example, let's say you identify four suppliers because Mm -hmm. somebody, one of them uh, who provides a big percentage, you know, of what you need, the widgets, um, Mm -hmm. if they have a disaster, you're not high on their priority list. What, what would you do? Would you set up um, agreements with the other three companies or would you you know, start dealing with the, those companies right away? What, what's the best approach? You know? Okay, and that's where we'll get into developing our supply management continuity strategies. What are we going to do? And just like any other part of business continuity, we look at mitigation, and then we look for strategies for what we're going to do if something befalls us. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have four suppliers, that's great. Uh, we look for a redundant supplier, a backup supplier. Um, first, you know, and maybe that backup supplier gets 10 or 15% of your business while this key supplier gets 85. You've got some backup there. You've got some margin. You also want to find out from, and you mentioned four suppliers, if, if you could, are these backup suppliers able to increase productivity if you need them to, uh, to fulfill the extra requirements that you have? So that's one of the things you want to find out about these tier suppliers as well. I mean, about the backup suppliers. Uh, you need to know what their capability is. Um, but I think you go back also, even before that, um, if you think about it, when we start looking at our suppliers and we're talking about business continuity because that's relatively new in the supply chain, uh, mm-hmm. there are only two times that you can have something different happen with a supplier. You say, well, we want you to have a business continuity plan so that if you have a disruption, we can be sure that you're going to be able to get back up and running as normal pretty quickly so you can meet our needs. You can really only do that two times. You why, can only, do it why only two times? Why only two times? There are only two times that you can legitimately do it and be assured of affecting change. One of those is when you're selecting suppliers. The other time is when you're renewing a contract with a supplier. Other than that, if it's not in the contract, there's not any requirement 
that they have a business continuity plan and their strategies in place so that they can meet your needs. So then we come back to something that I think has become more and more important in the supply chain and that we need to continue to look at, uh, and that's really partnering with your suppliers. Um, in the past, that's almost uh, become, um, was, not didn't become, in the past it was more, I am the customer, you are the supplier, you will do as I say. Uh, we can't do <laughs> yes. that with our suppliers anymore. It doesn't happen. And so I really think it's a value to our company, our organization, our suppliers, our customers, all of our stakeholders, if we work more toward a partnership and cooperative approach to helping our suppliers develop and increase their business continuity capabilities so that we are, you know, it, we are less likely to, that they are less likely to present us with a situation where they can't meet our needs. So what happens if you're going through this exercise and mapping out the the supply network and you've identified somebody, um, but you're midway through, let's say, a contract? You know, you're not going to be renegotiating for another two years, and you know, you selected them two years before, and you find out in the middle that you know they're not going to meet your needs, they're not going to um, change any of their internal business continuity programs. How do you handle that? You know, you, you kind of, you know, you could be, are we, are we stuck and we have to deal with for the next two years? You know, what, what are, what is our recourse? Um, stuck, maybe. But I think um, in today's world, and we're looking at this more and more cooperate, collaborate, communicate kind of approach. And that's the way I always encourage clients to work with their suppliers. Communicate with them, first of all. Let them know what your requirements are relative to their business continuity capabilities. Sometimes they don't even know. Um, and then um, communicate, you know, we go through that, we let them know, and then we uh, cooperate with them. Uh, we let them know that it's important to us. It can also help them, not only with us, but with their all, also their other customers. And then also, the, the collaborate is work with them. Uh, there are companies there now who are going in and working with their suppliers and helping them develop and improve their business continuity programs because it's a win-win situation. Um, mm-hmm. And can you... Firmly and in a, in a dictating way affect change in the middle of a contract? No, you can't. You're in the contract. But if you can let you use two years in and you two years in, you can say, let them know we are taking a very active approach uh, to making sure that all of our suppliers have a business continuity capability. Here's what that entails. Here's what we're going to be expecting. Contracts coming up in two years, it's something we're going to be looking at very seriously. How can we help you develop your business continuity program? So it can become a negotiating point, too. It can become a negotiating point. 
And, you know, one of the things I encourage all companies to do, and, you know, I know some of the huge international conglomerates, when we say your list of suppliers, it's literally thousands. Um, But for a lot of companies, particularly mid-sized companies, they, they are new to supply chain continuity, and they really haven't yet learned what the capabilities of their suppliers are. So I developed, and, I, and it's in the book, I think, too, um, here's a basic questionnaire. Send it out to your suppliers, and that questionnaire deals with their business continuity capability. Now, you get those back, and you say, well, now I know. Oh, gosh, it's terrible, but at least you know. Before, you didn't even have an idea. Now you know what you're dealing mm-hmm. with. And so then you can pick the ones that you view as your most key suppliers. Take a look at those. Well, these top three up here, they're in really good shape. They have a business continuity program. They update it. They test it. Um, we've, been, we've even been to an exercise they conducted, so we know they're in good shape. Here it's not so good. So those are the ones then you, the next three or four down, you start working with them, and then it becomes a process. But at least in that communicating, them letting you know where they stand, you letting them know what your expectations are, then it becomes collaborative and cooperative and not you will or else. Well, what kind of questions would you ask them? The the reason why I ask that is I've been in situations where uh, a supplier or a partner or a client doesn't want to release the information uh, of their business continuity plan where it stands. You know, it could be fantastic, an amazing program, but they don't want to give that information out. So what kind of questions would you ask to try and really get that, you know, to draw it out of them? Well, again, you know, and and it used to be what we wanted to do was go in or we wanted to get a copy of business continuity, the whole plan. And and if you're my client and you're a supplier, I'm saying, don't give your plan to anybody. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of proprietary (laughs) information in those plans. But it's asking the right questions. And the questionnaire I use also includes emergency preparedness and response, as well as just basic business continuity and supply chain continuity. And you ask the questions, do you have a program? That's where you start. Um, Mm -hmm. And if they say no, then the rest of them, it doesn't matter. But then if they do, um, who owns the program? Is it supported at the executive level? Did you use a set of guidelines or standard to develop your plan? If so, what was Mm -hmm. it? When was your plan last reviewed? When was it last updated? When was your last business continuity exercise. What were Mm -hmm. the results of that exercise? Do you ask your suppliers about their business continuity plans? And so those are some of the starting places. And really, if you get answers to those, that's starting to give you a pretty good indication of where that supplier is with their business continuity planning. Because then you can dig deeper, you know, if they're if the responses are favorable, you can dig deeper to get a little bit more information. And I guess if they don't look favorable, you it kind of raises a flag for you knowing that, hmm, we might have either a challenge ahead of us or start thinking of doing something different with them. Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, there, there are a lot of questions you can ask. I think the questionnaire I use, I think there are like 30 questions. And, it's, and I ask people to rate it on a scale of five. Five, it's in place, it's mature, it's ready to go down to one. Uh, and I always caution people, if you don't know 
Well, if you do not personally know that something exists, it doesn't. Because that may mean that, yeah. that somebody wrote this wonderful plan, but it's nothing more than a plan. But if people out in the organization don't know about it, it's like there's not one there. No, it's probably in a binder holding up a desk somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> or my example of that, I literally <laughs> went into a company in New York. It was one summer. And, and I was going in to do a gap analysis, a review of where they were and where they needed to go. And they had had a plan that had been written, I think it was seven years before. So I went into one office and I said, oh, are you familiar with the plan? Yeah, I know about the plan. I said, oh, do you have a copy of it? And uh, the person who answered me pointed over, it was summer in New York, and it was literally being used to prop a window open. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I get how seriously this is taken here. (laughs) Well, at least it was being used. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> well, we um, right now would be a great time to take our second break. Uh, again, we're talking with Betty Kildo, the author of A Supply Chain Management Guide to Business Continuity. And we'll be right back with our last segment. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. Once again, we're talking with Betty Kildo, the author of the Supply Chain Management Guide to Business Continuity. And we've been talking a lot about supply chain management or supply network, you know, and identifying our key suppliers and what we need to do. 
in our last segment, Betty, I'd like to talk about once we've identified these people uh, or organizations, suppliers, partners, um, whatever uh, name you want to call them, how do we keep our uh, strategies that we have in place strong and you know viable? You know, what do we need to do on their side and on our side? What do we do? Okay. Um, first of all, let's start on, at, at home. Let's, what are we going to do at home? If you have a business continuity program or a business continuity management system in place, which I hope everyone does, uh, if you follow that, you'll be in good shape. Um, first of all, though, I want to go back. Um, I have gone into organizations, and they have a business continuity planning group. But no one from the supply chain business units on that planning group. I, I want to go back and to make sure we're going to be able to keep this current from a supply chain perspective, make sure that supply chain business units are represented. Um, like everyone else in that planning group, they're subject matter experts, and you need their subject matter expertise uh, in the business uh, on so, the supply chain side. So we do. So that. why wouldn't and they then, be on that? Sometimes it's just been an oversight, and we're getting much better about that. But originally, uh, you know, and as I said, like when I would go into companies and I would want to look at the supply chain and they couldn't figure out why I would want to do that, there was no one from supply chain represented. So as that's changing, we are pulling people in from the supply chain. Um, They have knowledge and expertise that no one else has, like most of the people in our planning group. So we just want to make sure. Then that way, as we move our business continuity planning and our management system and our plans and our strategies forward, there's true representation of those business units that are entailed in the supply chain. And before, it was an oversight. It was just simply an oversight in the past. You know, we'd have all is, these business is that units, because, but, uh, but not them. So I, I think that's key. Make sure that they're represented. Is, do you and think that oversight have, occurred because a lot of managers – um, and, and I've been in a situation, you know, a lot of uh, frontline managers are the ones who end up dealing with some of these partners on a daily basis, and they believe they're the subject matter experts. Yeah, that's true. But, but, but it's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, if you want to say, back, back room and warehouse and shipping and all of those things that come into play, that it's not mm-hmm. always the frontline managers who have that expertise. That's true. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, so that, and, and you're seeing a change in that now? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, I would say that now I, I'm just judge. I'm thinking about over the last year and over the last year or so companies that I've come into contact with one way or the other, I would say about 80 percent of them already have someone from the supply chain who is uh, involved in their in their business continuity planning process. So that's where we start. And then if your, your supply chain business continuity plans are aligned with everybody else in the organization and you're all following the same standard or the same set of best practices or the same guidelines, then it just follows that if, you're, if everyone is doing that, then on a regular basis, just like everyone else, uh, supply chain uh, continuity strategies are going to be reviewed. 
uh, their plans are going to be reviewed and updated. They're going to be included in exercises and tests, too. And I, I do want to say that that's important as well. I want to look at the IT piece of it, which I think of as disaster recovery. Disaster recovery for me is the IT, the technology piece, that anymore the technology that runs our supply chains is amazing. So that has to be pulled in, too. Um, you know, look at the supply chain people. Look at the disaster recovery plans and ask them, here's how we have scheduled bringing everything back up and running. These are your applications. There's your platforms. Are those coming back up in time to meet your recovery time objectives? So it's those same kinds of good business continuity practices that are good for everyone else in the organization. They're perfect for supply chain. And that's reviews, that's updates, that's that those constant that constant looking for continual improvement. And if they do that with everyone else uh, within the business continuity practice within the organization, that will keep them up to date as well. What they have to do then, the supply chain business units, is go out to their suppliers and make sure that they're do this, doing the same thing. So if we're doing tests and they're doing tests, and we, how do we actually test together? What, what's the best way to do that? Because obviously you don't want to impact your, your business and you don't want to impact your, your supplier's business. So how do you, how, what's the best way to test to, to say, hey, we can work in a contingency? You know, what, what, what ideas, recommendations do you have? I think, first of all, I, I just want to put a caveat out about that. You don't do that until both sides, uh, the supplier mm-hmm. and the customer, are vo- both have extremely mature business continuity programs, and they've tested and exercised separately multiple times, and then try mm. in a, a, <laughs> to make sure they work separately and uh, actually attend each other's tests and exercises to observe what's going on uh, so that there's a familiarity there. And then we're not going to do the whole department. We're going to take everything in the supply chain down, but start with some very small bits and pieces and test those and then grow from there. And sometimes these are done... uh, if if there is any more ever off hours, which almost don't exist in a lot of companies anymore, uh, I recommend doing them there. Some companies then will use their test environment, uh, their IT test environment, and test from there rather than actual operations, uh, so that there isn't that risk, as you were mentioning, of of really creating a disaster. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure you. I'm sure you've heard of that too. Yes, absolutely. I should. I shouldn't laugh. It causes chaos. I shouldn't laugh at that. <laughs> so let's say um, I have, I, I'm a medium-sized company and I've, I've got my uh, plans and processes in place. My, I, I understand that my supplier has, they've tested. And now uh, one of our suppliers, well, that supplier, we'll use the same one, has a major disaster. What kind of things, I know there would be a specific plan with that vendor, but what kind of things would I be hoping to execute on my side or understand what what I should or shouldn't do? So what kind of things would I need to consider, you know, if, if that happens? Well, if you, if you had done good supply chain business continuity, 
planning, uh, you would have options in place. Uh, some things that could have happened. Maybe, for, if that's a very key supplier, maybe rather than just-in-time inventory, you keep a just-in-case inventory. Uh, so if they have a disaster, you've got some margin there in inventory. So that's one of the things you can do. Um, you can also, if you have these backup suppliers, once your primary supplier has actually done an assessment of what has happened and how long they're going to be down, and they give you a good, honest answer about when they think they're going to be able to continue uh, at, as normal with you again, then you activate some of these, if you will, redundant or backup suppliers and get that working. Um, so those are some of the key things you've done. And, and also, Alex, I'll tell you, I've seen some, some uh, customers of mine who have actually done something that was very extreme. We, there was one customer that had a supplier that was key to them. They felt that their uh, disaster rating was way, was way up to the roof. Um, they actually purchased the supplier so that they could then build in the redundancies for the supplier. I had another supplier who actually, uh, a, a customer who worked with their supplier to help them build an alternate site so that they could switch production over to the other side if the, the first one went down. Uh, so you have strategies in place. I think the first thing you have to do if you have a supplier who has a disaster is really assess the situation. And I see this left out too often when disasters hit, either when we're talking about enterprise-wide business continuity or the supply chain. Disasters come on unexpectedly. That's part of what makes them a disaster. And so then mm -hmm. one of the first things we really need to do is what happened here? How is it immediately impacting us? And how is it going to impact us the next week, the next two weeks, the next 30 days, the next three months? And I think before you make any decision, you do that. And then once you have that picture, then you select your strategies. Um, because I believe that you can't just have one strategy, you have to have multiple strategies. Because it's the old proverbial Murphy, Murphy will show up. Agreed. Each disaster is different. You know, you could have two floods, but that doesn't mean the impacts are going to be the same. That's right. You know? And you did mention something I thought was interesting too, um, just before you said assess the situation. Communications, the lines of communications between yourself and the partner, you know, who has the uh, disaster, they have to have a, a line of communication to you to notify you. And you have to Absolutely. be able to have a line back to them to ask questions. And I, I believe, you know, in, in your agreements with your suppliers, that should be written in there, that if there is any kind of a disruption, that, and maybe it's not a disaster, and maybe it's not going to impact you, but if anything goes wrong, let you know, and then you can put people on notice. You can go into notification mode, not maybe activation no mode, but notification situation. Uh, mode so that if it does get worse or exacerbates itself, then you can um, start taking action, but you don't do that unnecessarily. So, and don't you, th I, I don't know, maybe I think you would agree that communication is one of the most important parts of business continuity management, whether it's suppliers or overall within the organization. Agreed. 
Uh, and that's <laughs> internal and external. And one of the things that you would ask that your suppliers had built in was, if you will, a crisis communication piece so that something goes wrong. You're on that list and you know you're going to be called and you likely know who's going to be calling you. And you also know that you're not just going to get the initial notification, but they will give you updates as the situation unfolds. Well, it's. I know we've only got uh, you know, less than four minutes now, but I just wanted to say, I did work at one place. Uh, we had a four one one notification, which uh, up here is an information line. You know, mm-hmm. you can dial four one one to get information, and nine one one, which you know we know what that is. Mm-hmm. So we would have a four one one process and a nine one one process, and the four one one we know we're getting notified of such and such. So everyone would put on notice, like information. And then if it escalated, you know, now we activate 911 and assess the situation and, you know, take and do what some of the things that you suggested. Absolutely. Very good. So we've, we're now down to two minutes. So in, do you have any final comments or pieces of advice you'd like to give our listeners out there on supply chain network? Um, if you are a supplier... Uh, start, if you have not done so yet, start working on developing your business continuity program. Um, if you are the customer, include your suppliers. Uh, work with them. Uh, it's the old proverbial, the carrot is always much better than the stick. And when you make your suppliers uh, stronger, you also strengthen your own organization and its capabilities. I always remind people that if we look at it in its simplest form, and this is something that I have been saying to people for years, we're all customers, we're all suppliers. Um, in, in our business world, that's so true. Uh, all of us are, are customers, yes, and we think of supply chain, but when you're sitting there as the customer and saying, well, here's what I want with my suppliers, and I want them to do this, and I want them to do that, and I would like them to do this, and we really need them to do this, stop and think, are we doing that for our customers as well? So it's, 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 it's kind of a we're all in this together kind of situation. So strengthen, mm-hmm. strengthening and helping strengthen your suppliers relative to business continuity just strengthens your own organization. Well, on that, I'd like to thank you, Betty, for everything you've uh, told us about uh, supply chain management. I think there's a lot of great advice here and information for our listeners around the globe to take back with them and have a look, you know, especially in your last closing comment here. You know, not just our suppliers, you know, what they're doing for us, but what are we doing for our partners as well? You know, it's exactly. we've got to work together. And I think that's a, a really important point. You know, nobody's, nobody stands alone anymore. You know, we're all interconnected somehow. So I'd like to thank you. I'd like to thank you and thank you once again, because as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I did you reference your book uh, with a client a few years ago, and it did come in handy. So uh, that was uh, a supply chain management guide to business continuity, which you can get on Amazon. At least that's where I got my copy. So, so thank you very there. much, Betty. That's one Betty. of the places it's available, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Thank you very much. And to all our listeners out there, uh, again, if there's a topic you would like us to talk about or have a guest on the show, please feel free. Send me an email. Let me know, and I will uh, get in touch with you, and we'll either try and find someone to come on the show to talk about your topic or have you come on the show and talk about the topic. 
But either way, in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.